According to a new study, people's ears play tricks on them when they drink too much coffee. You know what makes me really sick to my stomach? Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Psychosis, a podcast which has nothing to do with coffee, has never had anything to do with coffee, and will never have anything to do with coffee. (sighs) If that sounded like a thinly veiled warning to Big Coffee, it wasn't. I just have to put something at the beginning of these podcasts so you, the listener, has the right context and feel suitably orientated for what's to come. Speaking of what's to come, in this episode, I sat down with Sean on a wet and rainy day in London to not talk about coffee. So here it is. So I'm here with Sean. Hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) We've just met. We have just met in London, Houston. You're my first Irish voice to guess. I am. I am. And I said that in my email, wanted to be the first Irish voice felt it was a distinct lack of uh, Irish voices on the podcast. Yeah, so yeah. came to remedy that. Because lo and behold, we uh, experienced psychosis in Ireland too. Yeah. Damn. Where do you want to start? I think one of my most cliche questions I always ask is like, what does the word psychosis mean to you? What does the word psychosis mean to me? Um, it's, if anything. If anything at all. It's a weird one uh, because it is like a... Not to get overly Foucauldian and all, which I'm sure oh, I'm well like a lot that. of yeah. your listeners will understand that um, the diseases are made and they're grouped together and they're like made to be one size fits all. But uh, I don't know if you can do that with psychosis because it seems so distinctly individualistic in everyone's case of it that... Is there a one experience that can be modelled onto people? I don't know. I'm losing my train of thought here now. Um, <laughs> no, I know what you mean, yeah, because I know, like, for me, I have a love-hate relationship just with the word itself because yeah. it, it's been really helpful for me in finding other people I can talk to about it, but also being branded, and I don't like what the word represents to other people. Yeah, it's it's a strange one because I didn't have much knowledge of it before I experienced it and stuff. Um, it's still quite taboo, isn't it, really? Even yeah. talking about it in society. Oh, yeah. Like, it's okay to talk to someone if you've got the blues. Yeah. But saying stuff like, yeah, I was just talking to the devil the other day. <laughs> no one's going to be that. Even the label bipolar people feel quite uncomfortable around it. Like, I've got that diagnosis now, but uh, I uh, I wouldn't use it in any case. I wouldn't tell people it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same like that. I'm quite careful now of who I talk to about it because I'm just so bored of the conversations that I end up in. <laughs> yeah, I am... Um psychosis for me was the best way there's so many ways into this story it's hard i'm just trying to find the right way to approach it but um i was experiencing a bit of elevation almost as if like i was on a mild uh amphetamine or something for a couple of days 
sort of it was we were talking about the polls earlier. It was around Christmas of last year, uh, two thousand and seventeen. Which is quite recent. So it was, yeah, it was recent. Uh, One episode, so to speak. Um, And so we were talking about the Pogues earlier. It was at a Pogues tribute act uh, around Christmas time called The Fairy Tale of the Pogues. Great, great concerts run every year in Belfast. Um, And I was just quite high after that, coming home playing Clash songs and stuff like that. Very... Um, with uh, my cousin and uh, it was just like I had I thought I had been spiked or something but I uh, woke up the next morning and I was still feeling this way sort of gradually diminished over the next few days and then um, it uh, I remember this vivid scene where I'm near the piano after coming home from a night out and uh, where I'd been drinking whiskey and I was getting quite depressed and I was just looking at the floor and this must have been the first time that uh, strange ideas were entering my head. So, um, and I was looking at the floor and I just seen this like depth of sorrow. It was not a proper visual, but it just felt like that. And um, just staring into this space. And uh, I think that was the time that things started to click. And um, just I uh, lost touch with reality for <laughs> a month, really. So things started to click, but unclick. Unclick, well. maybe, yeah, yeah. When you say they started to click, what is that like? Thing, certain things made sense, or, or what? I was very assured in how things made sense in my head, but um, I was it was really esoteric. Like it was all um, like related to the famine in Ireland and stuff, and uh, I, I got really into the idea that places could be haunted by memories and stuff like that and sorrow might be retained within the physical world and stuff and um it was very strange and i was reading a lot of uh like uh works of the peregrinatic saints which were a load of um mainly irish and scottish uh missionaries basically in the dark ages that went uh, across europe and brought back ideas of civilization and stuff but uh these guys had like uh they were monks um so like a lot of them had left uh left like um pamphlets and stuff about how to lead life and stuff and it was all really esoteric in coming to see from the inside how you live a life and stuff like like monks do anyway but um i got really into these guys and was just trying to like almost thought as if maybe i'm uh, a monk or maybe i should go into the monkhood and stuff and uh maybe it is there are people in certain generations that are thrown up and uh to do and it was really like uh, egotistical and stuff yeah what so you felt you had to go on some sort of mission or what? Because that's like a common thing. It is a common thing, yeah. yeah. And um, it was like I had to bring the peace of Ireland or something back to England or something. Yeah. Because it was, uh, um, like, the news was constantly about Brexit at this time. I think it was Theresa May was trying to get through her second deal or something. And um, I thought that maybe I could play a part in that. And that was one of the things the doctor told me whenever I went into... My parents eventually brought me to the doctor. I'm skipping way ahead now, but um, he said uh, about Brexit, is there anything 
like he found out that I was worrying about Brexit and he goes, do you think you can play a significant part in it? And I thought at the time that I could, but I remember uh, telling him, no, I couldn't because I didn't want to be hospitalised. Uh, so you're still kind of aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, so I was aware of it and I really was into not losing my liberty and stuff. So uh, thankfully um, it never came to that. I was never actually hospitalised. I was seen, uh, uh, I can't remember the terminology but i was seen in the community or whatever uh, that's always a good thing yeah, yeah yeah so right in the midst of um all this happening uh after the pugs gig and seeing the sort of dante like inferno in the wood and relating it to the famine and stuff i uh was flying due to fly back um from Knock, which is a religious <laughs> pilgrimage site, which fed into it, to Liverpool. So I uh, flew there. I was pretty much tripping balls, like, and uh, couldn't read or anything. I had Lily Allen's book in my hand, strangely, and I, I really was interested in Lily Allen's autobiography, but I couldn't decipher it whatsoever. Never returned to that book. Going back to what you said you were kind of thinking and feeling there, is it? It's like you were trying to do something good for the world, isn't it? it? There was, yeah, and that's this is a thing that comes up with psychosis a lot. A lot of people feel they're on a spiritual mission, and maybe that's how these missionaries started. Like people like Jesus and all would yeah, have that's what really thought that they were uh, sent from above or whatever. Well, also, there's something like you, you said, um, like it seems really egotistical. I think that's how most people end up looking at it like yeah, who are yeah. you to think you can do this but actually like i've been thinking more and more it's like a really nice thing for someone to want to do isn't it yeah, to try yeah. and help the world and then when they get like a lot of people myself included you're crazy for that trying to help the world you must be crazy it's it is reaction. interesting um whenever you look at the nature of celebrity nowadays as well uh, like there are a few of them that are questionable like are they going through psychotic events like Caroline Flack obviously died recently and that's a whole horrible can of worms but um, I don't I never even heard her name before that the whole thing had you not no, no, no. I, I don't watch tv or anything so no I had a big awareness of her uh it's just one of these figures that you don't have you just they're forced upon you like how do I know this news about it's like Billie Eilish I've never heard a song of Billie Eilish's I don't think but I but know her I know everything about her because it's just uh, on the side of Facebook and stuff I know she's I see her like uh, advertising headphones to me yeah. that's all I know she's somewhere for capitalists to hang their products yeah, on yeah that's that's what these things become But yeah, uh, so I flew back from Newcastle, uh, not Newcastle, I flew back from Knock to uh, Liverpool and tripping balls and uh, really thought like, uh, have you seen the Children of Men? Yeah, movie? I have, yeah. I thought it was a bit like him on a mission and that it was all embroiled in Christmas time and all because that movie has a sort of Christian yeah, yeah. Christmas narrative to it. Um, uh, and... So it was like this nativity fucking production I was in, it felt like. And I remember uh, doing really weird things, like on the train back home, 
uh, pissing in a bottle and all because I thought that I needed to take my piss with me. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like I was an Arctic explorer or something. Or, uh, was, was that what they used to do? Yeah, yeah, Arctic Explorers. I met one recently enough and he said that they have to shit and piss in bottles and take it with them because you can't leave any um, debris there because it's uh, the fecal matter could generate new life for whatsoever. Apparently so. That's kind of tempting though, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this train ride was whenever things really started going and uh, pissing in a bottle because I wanted to take it with me somewhere. Um I remember I was getting the bus to the train and a guy got on it, a black guy, and he was um, very aggressive to the driver and it was a mostly white coach and you could hear racist chattering and stuff. So I got up and the guy started punching the driver's window and stuff and I got up and said, almost like the peacekeeper, um, you don't what you've seen here didn't really happen you may think it went one way but just calm down but to everyone I was just talking nonsense this sort of hero figure and uh, sat back down just like a cryptic it is it was very cryptic the whole thing was Um, everything was but I was just trying to downplay the racism or something but uh, the guy was a dick anyway because he was smashing the bus up and stuff um, and then I was back in Manchester working. Work was a strange mix. I was working in a nightclub in Manchester and they were having like a Mexican Day of the Dead sort of right. gatherings. Yeah, yeah. That was really trippy. Yeah. And uh, the bastards had increased the price of every drink by about 10% and I thought that our salaries should have gone up by 10% in line with that. So I was like trying to ferment a sort of revolution from below or start up a union or something. So again, quite nice things to do, but, uh, and it's strange, maybe I would have gone to that endeavor if I was in a more stable frame of mind anyway, but um, it was just that self-belief and undaunted self-belief that you thought that you were able to cure all the ills. Um, I always wonder when, like, because these are ideas or pursuits that are bigger than individuals, aren't they? Like, you need help yeah, to yeah. do that. And if if people around you are like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I always wonder where things could go. <laughs> like, have you seen Apocalypse Now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always think uh, Marlon Brando, he's just coming down from something like a psychotic episode and all the people around him, they just agreed with all of his ideas and it's ended up like that. Yeah, because he has an awareness of it in the end as yeah, well. Yeah. He leaves the... Uh, it's a great film, that, yeah. really. Going back, you said you were having strange ideas and were you aware that they were strange ideas or is it only in hindsight? Um, I had fleeting moments of awareness uh, in and out. It was like a wave, sort of. Um, you would be up one minute, down the next, maybe, and in between those phases, there was uh, some sort of self-awareness. And my mind would change a lot. And I had this strange sort of loop in time thing where um, some days I'd end the day really badly. Uh, just um, I'd th- send messages to people and stuff like that and uh, wouldn't sleep. I'd get very drunk and do strange stuff. And... Um, 
then I'd wake up the next day and thought that it was the same day happening, sort of a groundhog yeah, day yeah. thing. Like time loops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought that none of that mattered anymore, but uh, responsibility did catch up with me in the end. Yeah, so I was uh, in the midst of all this uh, madness, <laughs> is the only word for it. Um, I uh, went and did some ketamine on a night back with my friend and it sort of sent me mad it um like i got really in touch with the uh, different parts of the brain and stuff and sort of either body experiences and things like that and uh got really into theoretical physics and stuff like this about how uh, everything could be the same and stuff and different matter regenerating so sort of like that which is a standard enough drug thing, but I thought that I had a real connection, but it really made me lose my mind for a couple of moments. And um, then, uh, so I don't think I wouldn't advise anyone going through a psychotic episode to take drugs. Uh, <laughs> what, even if they're from a doctor? Even if they're from a doctor. That is a good point, really, isn't it? Because what is ketamine but a mild, well, strong anesthetic? Yeah, yeah. For horses a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, it's not my kind of thing. But then if it gets you into physics... Yeah, yeah. Something's got you. Something has to grab you. Uh, and then um, it just got wilder and wilder uh, from that point. Uh, we had a sort of fallen out of my house because I didn't pay the rent on time. And um, it spiralled into me thinking that I was going to leave. And... Uh, I did leave and I took a guitar with me and, uh, you know, that sort of like troubadour wandering down the yeah, road yeah, yeah. on his own. No, uh, mariachi. Yeah. Yeah. No fears, no worries, no responsibilities. And I just left the house, give the key to, uh, my flatmate, uh, who was obviously unsupportive through this because he would have known that I was, uh, deeply, deeply unstable. And they were just trying to get rid of me, I think, or have a bit of a laugh. So uh, not great people, but um, then I was walking away. I had nowhere to stay and stuff like this. And um, I ended up down uh, in Manchester in the library and stuff like that and uh, sleeping in the library and things like that. And I still would wake up every day and think I had to do certain things. And I was sort of stuck in some sort of purgatorial loop that I had to get through. This Christmas story was still going on in my head. And... uh, it was just wild that week in Manchester, going to churches and stuff like this. Not necessarily because I had any belief in God as such. It was more uh, the things that led people to these things and how certain missionaries uh, fitted into the world and stuff like this and led to human development. And I was very interested in human migratory patterns as well. So it's strange how uh, sort of research-heavy my psychotic episode was, but... Um, I definitely, uh, I definitely learned a few things along the way. Yeah. So, were you, are you like a religious person? Not, not in the slightest. I always had an admiration for these monastic saints that I was talking about and stuff like that. But uh, I never was really into religion. I thought it was a weak enough form of philosophy, basically. Yeah. It's a very easy answer, isn't it? it to yeah, to yeah, the yeah. big questions. I'm not like I guess. I'm, not, I'm really not into like organized religion. I suppose I think it's an important distinction, isn't it? 
a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. People say there's spiritualists nowadays as well and stuff yeah you have to respect all this like, but i was always really like atheist but then when i had my episode it felt like maybe there's something more going on yeah you definitely feel like you're in touch with a higher form or a higher order and that's why i was interested in the human migratory patterns and the theoretical physics and stuff like this just wanted to know how we got to here but um this is the part of the story where uh, the girl comes in. Oh, yeah? Connor's there's a, guy. The love there's interest. A, there's a love interest oh, in this okay. uh, narrative. Um, girl I met a few years ago, a friend um, who I uh, probably fell in love with, I think it's fair to say. But uh, I was sending her a load of weird messages at this point. Yeah. yeah. She lives in Spain, so God knows how she got them like it would have seemed really weird me texting her out of the blue and stuff uh send her loads of really cryptic messages um and videos and links and photos of just my shoes on the floor and stuff like that i got really into uh photography as well and thinking that there was real profound uh images that i was taking but uh yeah i've been there yeah, yeah. that's the that story of my life <laughs> <laughs> Which is strange because sometimes you go on a walk or something normally I'm known to do and you'll you'll run away with the fairies a bit or you'll have these creative ideas and stuff. And uh, that's almost like a mild form of psychosis, isn't it? But you oh, come yeah. out of it quite easily. I definitely think there's like a spectrum of what's crazy and or like psychosis, if you want to use that concept, yeah. as like loads of everyday things that could be classed as psychotic but also everyone's got a little bit of it because everyone's yeah. kind of they're using their own sort of language to navigate through the world in a way yeah and it's that creative thing as well that just uh everyone's just responding to external stimuli and stuff and they're creating their everyone does create their own reality to some yeah. extent anyway surely it's making sense of the world around us we have to kind of tell ourselves little stories like piece together loads of random bits of information and think that it means something. Yeah, I'm uh, part of my work that I'm doing in the research at the minute is uh, I've got into the philosopher Paul Ricoeur, who was, uh, it's called hermeneutic phenomenology, really grand that, title. Is that one word? Yeah, no, two, two oh, words. Okay. I was going to say it might be the biggest word on the podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, where was I? He w w would... Um, he he does a lot of work with metaphor and stuff and how all human understanding is about uh, they understand things in relation to one another. And then whenever you discover that and think that, yeah, humans do understand everything through relation, you realize that there's a falsity behind everything. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there is the potential to go down a psychotic path in any sort of form of thinking too deeply on a subject or thinking about the constituent parts of a subject. It's uh, interesting. Um, I think I could just think myself back to that state. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is why I'm a bit worried about drugs at the minute because I uh, would have quite an uh, insular sort of. I'd, if I was tripping out, a lot of it would be internal and thinking thoughts in my head. So I don't really want to open myself up to that because I think that could lead back to an episode. 
But uh, it's weird the whole walking around the rest of your life thinking that you might have another episode. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's a strange sentence. Of sorts, I'm sort of at the stage I think I'm not going to. It seems too ridiculous that that everything was so crystal clear at that time, and now it's uh, well, you've had all this processing time and stuff. And it just feels like uh, you could never go back to it, but I'm sure everyone thinks like that. Yeah, uh, someone I I met through the NHS who's like a really nice, she's a really nice lady, and um, we've kept in touch since I've stopped being a patient yeah. kind of thing. Um, she said to me a few years ago, I think I said like, oh, I'm, I'm a mad person sort of thing. Yeah. And she was like, how long, how long before... You stop saying that, and like it's like a quite a profound question for me to like consider over like years and years. And like recently, I had another run-in with the mental health people. And I don't think I'll ever stop calling myself that because yeah. I think it's it's like it is a really fragile. My like my sentience is just really fragile, I think, and it doesn't have to constantly be kind of thinking about stress, even if I don't want to, because my body will be feeling it in a way try and think I'm stronger than I actually are but do you know what I mean it's strange that they tell you that the doctors to avoid stress just that's the that that was whenever I got the bipolar diagnosis it was just you you have some sort of bipolar disorder uh, avoid stressful situations which is impossible it is impossible (laughs) but my life was sort of run on stress I know yeah yeah. we're talking about teenage years and coffee consumption earlier like uh that was sort of my default state, was a stress position. It's useful up to a point, stress, isn't it? Like, that's how we've worked out that nine to five, Monday to Friday, is yeah. about as much stress that the average person can take. Yeah, it's a lot of stress. I do nine to 2.30 and it's still fucking stressful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the uh, reason I introduced uh, Sky, I think I was calling her, was um, because... Uh, it, it got really weird. She fed into this narrative of like that she was that uh, me and her were the only two real people in the world and stuff like this, and we had to reconnect and have a child. Uh, so I thought it was uh, like a long pilgrimage, sort of, to get to there. So um, I uh, started trying to find ways of getting money through all fell by the wayside because I wasn't in a right frame of mind to be working or generating any sort of income. Um, And then uh, I thought that uh, she had come to Manchester where I was living at the time. And um, uh, this was the real period where I knew that there was something seriously wrong because I ended up... uh, thinking that she was in a tent. I was walking and uh, just letting my feet carry me, sort of. Um, and this was tied into the sort of pilgrimage walks and my reiterative patterns. I thought that I could tap into this uh, sort of flow of the universe or the world where um, people are sort of led blind, um, which may be real. That Maybe, maybe that, that is the way these things work. Maybe there is your brain sort of dictates before you actually can think it that yeah, you're going yeah. to behave in a certain way. Some people say that, don't they? Like mm. neuroscientists, they can see the cognition happen before you've made the decision. Before you've made the decision, yeah. yeah. 
But uh, anyway, this uh, <laughs> led me to a tent that was uh, being used by a homeless man, and I thought that Sky was inside the tent. And uh, I took off my uh, clothes down to my trousers, thinking that we were going to make love. Before there. you got in the tent. Before I got right, in the okay. tent. And uh, zipped down the tent. Thankfully, there was no one inside, but I was just... Uh, well, obviously, I wanted there to be someone inside, but thankfully, there wasn't the occupant of the tent inside. Um, but there was just I was sitting in this tent, stinking of piss, and thinking I, I might be going mad here. Yeah, could uh, see why you might think that. It's uh, if the movie of my life ever comes to get made, I think it will be a pivotal scene. Just yeah, that yeah, yeah. realization, epiphany, and the piss sodden tent. I can see you did describe it really well. The the visuals were good. But when you added the piss smell, it really, really brought it to life. I was there. Yeah, and then you'd think an episode like that or an experience like that would uh, set you right and that you'd um, uh, be fine but um, and that you'd come back to normality after them, but I didn't. Uh, I ended up... Uh, flying home because I got locked out of the house. Obviously, I had given forfeited my key in a moment of madness. And um, I uh, ended up back in Fermanagh and things got blitzed there, basically. Um, I uh, So it's in the countryside in the middle of nowhere, Fermanagh, in the sort of northwest of Ireland, and uh, lots of lakes and fields and stuff like that. Um shape everywhere uh, and I would just go out in the morning and uh, and go through big mad pilgrimage walks trying to find monastic sites which which I did find monastic sites as well and I probably uncovered stuff that hadn't been really taken notice of in years and years what but, like kind of stone circles yeah, and things like yeah. that okay what and you you sort of I just you had go no out. idea where they were. You just no, no. I'd be drawn to them, um, right? Like, uh, and you find because Ireland, the Romans never came, so there's uh, all the roads are windy and stuff. So you will end up on windy back paths and stuff that lead to these settlements and stuff. But um, I'd just go for big long walks over uh, other people's property and stuff like this. Uh, this was like a good week, solid, of doing this, going out in the morning, taking pictures, trying to funnel it into some sort of creative uh, endeavour. Um, what were you taking pictures of? Just pictures of the trays and flowers from certain uh, certain um, angles and stuff and little valleys and stuff and parts of the landscape that have been toiled out by human hands and stuff. Uh, it was weird just all natural things I've sort of find refuge in the natural world yeah. which uh, one of uh, your previous guests yeah, yeah. I can't Sophia. remember Sophia yeah, yeah. she has the glamorous psychotic episode doesn't she because yeah, she's just allowed to run, run yeah. through nature yeah yeah that's what I want to do next time yeah <laughs> I remember um, I was doing mushrooms a couple of years ago and uh, I um we were thrown out of a house party and I was like, right, we need to get to nature. So it was, we went down the bicycle path and, uh, uh, 
it was just like loads of fauna and stuff and that really captivates you so i think i i do have a safety in nature yeah sort i think of every, everyone me. does however much they want to accept it or not is it's yeah it's just a nicer place to be than concrete yeah yeah um so yeah at home just going mad thinking that i was a uh, saint and stuff like this and how i was going to work out this how i was going to improve humanity's lot uh, who were you with who was around you uh, my parents were around me at this stage but i think they thought that something was going on but um i don't think they had a true awareness of it at that stage um it sounds like you were like really alone in all this like, yeah yeah I, I was but that was through self-isolation right. really it was something i sought out so were you trying to like keep things undercover like yeah like, yeah i was and then um i was that was still aware that i could be hospitalized at any point right so that was like a fear it was a fear um that was my research in my undergraduate dissertation was about uh like um huntington's disease and neurodegenerative disorders and oh. things like that so Damn. it was um so it was all about testing and um the loss of liberty and stuff like this and the loss of your rights and things like that so that's always been in the back of my mind and i've done work with disabled people who are going through like uh losing their individual liberty and stuff like that but um so I was alone through it all, really. Um, I ended up going down to Dublin, visiting my friend, and then he bought me a ticket to London. I thought that maybe I'd see this girl in London, because she sometimes lives in London. Uh, so he bought me a ticket to London the next day, and I went off in the hope of A, meeting her, and B, finding out if there was any peregrinatic saints in London. So uh, it was like my side mission. Uh, and... I can report back that there's very little evidence of Celtic saints in London to how, this day that long, I can find. How long has it been since the Pogues Tribute Act thing then? From so from there, uh, the Pogues Tribute Act was around the 24th, uh, around a couple of days before Christmas. This would have been uh, mid-January, so we're about two weeks into it. Okay, so you've done so much stuff in these yeah, two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, frantic. It was it was filled with energy. Just you know, um, I, w- I would still sleep at night. Strangely, um, I wouldn't because I'd expend so much energy during the day. But it was just going on long rambling walks and stuff, which was uh, it, it seemed more interesting to me to go and seek out that stuff than to engage with the human world at all. Really, um, why is that? I don't know. I thought just um, there was a there was a definite desire to be alone or something, or that I was thought that I was working on my own. Is that because um, you thought people would like misunderstand you or try and stop you or anything like that? There was that fear, yeah. but it was a deeper thing than that. Um, I feel in that it there was definitely. Maybe it's living in the city for so many years, living in Manchester for eight years, just wanting to sort of close myself off and return to nature or something. It was a pivotal life event. Maybe I have drawn into myself a bit like this now uh, since it. Maybe it was a necessary stage. 
that I needed to go through. But um, there's definitely something in that, and I'm glad you asked that about the sort of isolation and stuff. Yeah, well, I, I definitely did because I was like, just well, fuck all these guys. Yeah, they're not they're not helping me do all this stuff. Fuck them. <laughs> Yeah, I sort of got like that with my ex-flatmates because um, I don't know. Uh, there was some conversations with them where it sort of felt like they were taking the piss out of me. Maybe it was paranoia, but just looking back on it, I don't think they were a great group of people. Um, yeah, people don't know what to do with that. So, yeah, a lot of the time people would just cope with humor yeah yeah whatever it is like mask their fears because everyone's secretly afraid of going crazy yeah yeah. so they need to point out who is and everyone's afraid of the crazy person as well so adding humor sort of strips them a bit but um yeah in london things i keep on saying that things exploded or whatever but it just seems to have gradually got worse so different different uh sections different chambers uh, so in London, I was rummaging around. Sky wasn't there. She was over in Spain. Um, and uh, I just went to different churches and stuff like this. And uh, How were you greeted at the churches? Oh, very, uh, sometimes um, very, uh, very, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? They were very hostile in uh, their response to me because they weren't used to people coming into the churches and asking these questions. What sort of stuff were you asked? Because uh, one of the things about, I did was go to a church. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was asking questions about uh, Celtic saints or where there were Celtic churches and stuff like this in London. Um, none of them knew because uh, there is very little evidence of... Uh, it's, I think they were all destroyed. Probably the time of uh, Henry VIII was it? sacked all those yeah, yeah. castles. Probably. Um, and uh, just wandering about for ages, trying to, thinking that I was, like I was staying in a hostel and I was cleaning up the hostel and stuff like this, just going out of my way to make everything as good as it could be. And I was like putting chairs away and the guy, one of the guys that worked there had to come over and tell me not to do it and stuff. And uh, just wandering around London for ages, drinking a good bit of wine uh, on my travels. From from the churches? Uh, sometimes bring it <laughs> into the churches, just in a coffee cup. Uh, Smooth. Yeah, yeah. Alcohol sort of leveled me out a bit during it. Yeah. Whenever I did it, yeah. Um, it sort of it worked in the depressive sense where it sort of tempered you a bit. Um which is weird because the original, I had thought that it was the whiskey that had caused it at the start. Uh, but alcohol seemed to sort of help me through it a bit. Um, just tripping balls through London, really. Were you seeing stuff then? Were you like I wasn't hallucinating, thank God. No. Um, something that I've never really done hallucinated. Uh, ah, there was one hallucination when I went back to Manchester, actually, where I was walking... Um, through Altrinum, um, and I sort of went into a dream-like state where I was in an office and I was imagining that people were there and stuff, and then I just ended up back outside my uncle's house, um, and it was too late at night for me to have been in an office. 
And uh, the only thing I can um, compare that experience to was uh, whenever you drink excessive amounts of alcohol and maybe trip a bit or hallucinate. It's the only only time that I've ever hallucinated like that. Um, and uh, it was very worrying because anything could have happened to me and also I don't know what I was doing in in reality. Yeah, you have you heard about you know the the rates of this is much higher in cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would make sense. They did a study a couple of years ago of um, people living in cities and countryside, and it was just getting them to um, uh, guess the size of their own heads. And the people in the cities would think that their heads were massive and the people in the countryside would think their heads were really small. So <laughs> there is something about uh, how much you go inside your brain in a city. Just because you're all scrambling for space, you just end up uh, introspecting. Yeah, yeah, and it's much easier to be isolated in the cities in a really sort of dramatic way when you when there's so many people around you and you're disconnected yeah yeah i used to hate walking around on sundays i sort of like hate liked it uh just feeling very melancholic around the city and seeing different families and stuff and wondering will i ever get there comparison is the thief of joy that kind of thing you just compare yourself to other people yeah it's one of the worst things you can do but everyone does it yeah, it's yeah. just a human thing isn't it well in this day and age everyone's at it it's mm-hmm. all surfaces the whole Facebook Twitter thing there's a depth that's sort of been lost from the world isn't there and maybe the psychosis sort of makes you feel that you've uh, got back in touch with that depth or some deeper meaning yeah it's interesting because I would have always as a child had um delusions of grandeur anyway mm. like i would have really wanted to be a rock star and stuff like yeah. this in my younger days now it seems like the worst possible <laughs> job you could have but um so maybe it was maybe it was a natural step the whole psychosis that um i needed to get through to realize that or that childhood dreams over or something or something that i based my whole life on was uh not going to happen do you think it's something that needed to happen then like do you think it was like just an a process i don't know because i wasn't it wasn't as if i still wanted to be a rock star at this stage maybe i wanted to i was have a burning desire to leave a legacy or something that might be linked to a fear of death but um i don't know uh it's it's funny the jesus narrative is always the one that people go to seemingly or like just a messiah or savior or hero i don't know if it if, I think it's been a mainly like male thing as well. Yeah, like yeah. It seems to me like I don't think I've met that many girls who've been through this and have thought that they were here yeah, like, yeah. in a way. Which you can look at a certain number of ways because maybe it is society that has dulled those aspirations amongst women from a certain combination of factors or else maybe it's um, maybe it's back to that sort of fear of death thing that males seem to be occupied with and leaving a legacy and thinking that they had to leave something tangible in the world yeah do you, do you think it's like this brought out stuff that you'd kind of absorbed for your life in a way uh yeah yeah definitely and even 
you know, cognitively, it seemed like I was able to remember stuff a lot better, but, um, like remember pieces of information and stuff. There was a sort of cognitive enhancement sort of element to it, which, you know, if you go down the route of the fight or flight mode or whatever, that sort of belief that these are all, um, learned responses to how humans needed to overcome certain situations in the past, then that would, uh, suggest that you are using different parts of your brain and stuff um, or operating at a higher level of functioning. But then, again, I wouldn't have known what day of the week it was. Yeah, you know, yeah. or um Got calendars able, for that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't uh, be able to, you know, keep a conversation flowing for over 10 minutes without getting distracted, things like that. Um, but yeah... In London, I had just been walking around and around and, uh, you know, like the countryside, but just in an urban setting. So, um, like one of the nights I was walked, must have walked about seven miles just around London really fast, radically. As part of my, uh, you know, savior messiah complex thing, I, um, ended up going down to Chelsea and uh, looking at all the cabinet ministers' houses and stuff and the, like, embassies and things like that, and I'd just pick up bags of dog shit and hang them on the doors. (laughs) 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 Which is probably the most dangerous thing I did whenever I was um, there, like, going to the Hungarian embassy and sort of protesting by hanging a bag of dog shit. Which is strange, because in Chelsea, you seemingly, people just don't, they bag the dog shit, but just leave it lying around. Yeah, well, they kind of set it up for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. And, uh, yeah, just every night in London, not having enough money to sleep and st- or to get a hostel because I'd spent it all on ridiculous fucking soaps and stuff like that. So I thought I really needed it at the time. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's what, just soaps or loads of random stuff? Yeah, I got it. A- Got uh, back into, um, you know, the whole going back to nature thing. It uh, led me to into that market of um, Holland and Barrett and stuff, you know, the, all the natural products. So I had a salt stick for my uh, deodorant and stuff like that, and completely wow. natural soaps. All well, of which, So your hygiene at this point has never been better? Well, so interestingly, I wasn't taking showers at all, but I would still try and, uh, like, I'd try and self-sustain so i'd just lick the bar of uh salt and use it to do my armpits and stuff so it was all really weird like self these sort of habits that i developed and little rituals like that and really thinking that i was some sort of uh higher power or something didn't need to operate in the normal frameworks how were you looking at other people at this point um, in relation to yourself and where you fit in? Some them? people I thought that uh, had been on my wavelength, like the girl, the girl uh, Sky. I thought that she was on my wavelength and I thought that responses that she was given were quite cryptic back to me and stuff. Um, I thought that some people could pick up things and I thought some people must have this, you know, inbuilt ability or sort of what's known as the gypsy curse you know the the thought that there's sort of telekinetic powers there or something yeah. or there's some sort of awareness um of things before they happen like they get it yeah yeah like i uh did you I, did you tell them that 
No, it was always, I thought it was being really sly, like acknowledging them, like with a nod of the head or something. Um, which is interesting as well, because surely I must have needed community in that sense, or needed to uh, feel that there were others there that understood or had a, were able to catch a glimpse of what mind frame I was in. So you're trying to warn anyone about anything or anything like that? Uh, not really. I thought there was a war coming, but I do kind of think that anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> All signs there, are pointing that way. There's always a war coming or going on or starting. But uh, yeah, um, like I thought uh, the bus ride back from London, I thought I was uh, uh an investigative reporter and stuff and I've been put on this natural national express full of investigative reporters to get them back out of Manchester or back out of London into Manchester. Uh, I wasn't investigating anything, just looking at the cabinet minister's houses and stuff. Or maybe I thought that there was something serious about the Celtic missionaries and stuff that I was, that was undercover that I was unearthing or something. I went to the British Library and I had no clue what I was going to be reading or writing and stuff there, but I was filled with this burning ambition that I was going to do. And then uh, ended up back in Manchester, ended up trying to get back into the house where I was uh, living. And um, I uh, there's this really old stone, like an neolithic stone or something and um i thought that the house was uh unoccupied so i picked up this neolithic stone which i had sort of believed to be imbued with spiritual properties and all and i started smashing the window and um to get in i just thought that it was late at night i seen the wind the door was locked uh i was still living there i'd paying rent although i hadn't paid it um and I thought that I was within my rights to smash a window to gain access. Uh, I'd tried to call the people that were living there a lot of times and they hadn't. Uh, so they, whenever the first pane of glass smashed, I, um, ended up, uh, one of the guys ran out and grabbed me and, uh, they wrestled me to the ground and phoned the police. Yeah, uh, so I got arrested and, um, I had, uh, I was talking to you earlier about the little Zoom recorder I used to own. I, uh, yeah. was, uh, I had thought that there was really sensitive information on that because I was just recording myself speaking stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, uh, what, like a dick? Like yeah, a dick yeah, like Alan thing. Partridge, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Got an idea for a show. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I was recording things thinking that I was in this sort of cryptic crossword of a world that I had to work out. Um, and it was through the university and stuff. I was just going up and down corridors and staircases into different rooms, seeing if I could find clues and stuff. And I was narrating this into the microphone. Um, Do you think that, that helped? Or? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it helped to hear the sound of your own voice and it helped to be logging something or thinking that I was able to access these grand ideas again. But yeah, whenever the police came, I threw that to my flatmate and he hid it. So he must have thought that there was something serious on it too. But uh, yeah, 
it was a dick move by them to phone the police whenever, but, uh, you know, I'm not the first Irish person to be arrested over rent disputes in Manchester <laughs> against a load of English guys. Did you go quietly? Uh, did I go quietly? I went very politely and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, uh, I thought it was some sort of game that they were playing, like, and I thought that it wasn't really real. I remember they were really dumbfounded, the sergeant and stuff in there, because he was like, uh, Sean, you seem to be a gentleman. Uh, and he was really perplexed as to how I could have done that without being drunk and stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it went, I was mad at this stage. Um, and they just, didn't pick up on that? No, no, they didn't pick up on it at all. Uh, even though I was doing stuff like cleaning myself with my own spit and all in the shower, or in the cell, uh, and like cleaning the whole thing, throwing water over the cell and cleaning it up with the blanket and stuff, um, all erratic behaviour, they never really picked up on it. And uh, So at this point, they're just treating you like a criminal? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and I just uh, kept on whistling like Johann Sebastian Bach songs and stuff, <laughs> thinking that I was like, it must have been really annoying to the other prisoners because uh, I thought I was providing a source of entertainment for them. And um, uh, uh, they must have just been really annoyed by this sound of. Anna Magdalena and all coming out of my... How long were you there? Uh, about 10 hours or so. Okay. So it was uh, quite a while. Um, then I uh, had nowhere to go whenever they released me. They got the lawyer and stuff, and I thought that... Uh, I was just tripping balls, thinking that I was the only person apart from Sky in the world, and uh, thinking that this was all just sort of some game. So you weren't kind of angry that they'd kind of thrown no, you off course for the mission? No, no, I, I thought it was a part of it just, um, and it was another way to gain research. And I thought that, um, I just thought that, what do you call it, it's general, you know, <laughs> fed into some wider anti-immigration thing and it was because of my nationality or something that it had happened. And then I thought this, uh, like, that... Maybe it was up to me at that point to be the rescuer of all these European citizens and stuff in, uh, that are going to go by the wayside after Brexit. So you kind of for forgave them? I, I forgive them, forgive them, Father, for they know not what oh, they do. You're much nicer than me. Yeah. Um, but I thought they were stupid as well. I thought that like the police were idiots to be arresting me and um, that there was something like that they were curtailing my... Uh, uh, genius that I was up to and then um, just ended up in different people's houses ended up in my uncle's house and then this was the time my uncle I was being very ritualistic and putting things in orders and stuff buying a lot of colourful things like candles and colouring pencils and stuff like this leaving them over the house so he phoned my mum and uh, my mum then came over because she was worried about me. I sort of knew that there was something going on, but um, still, like, that would be fleeting moments of self-awareness. You know, they wouldn't last or hang around. And then um, my mum came over and I was 
really uh, adamant that I was going out at three o'clock in the morning to post a letter to my uncle because thought he could help me get in touch with Sky. And um, even though I could have just texted Sky, I didn't have to be an elaborate sort of finding out where she's going to be and sending a postcard and stuff or a present. Um, but then that was part of the whole romantic ideology that was there anyway uh, in the background. Um, but yeah, that uh, just this is into the third week now of it. Um, I think it really lasts another week at least and then there's sort of residual effects after that. But uh, coming out of the PlayStation, living with my uncle, my mum comes over, my dad soon comes over, and I'm just uh, on a different planet. They're aware of it. I, like, uh, went to the theatre one, or not the theatre, went to the Royal Northern College of Music, snuck in, and uh, there was an orchestra on, and I uh, went backstage and climbed up the galleys into the overhead really? space yeah, and just listened to the concert from there in the rafters and stuff like that. Just mad things I was doing. I went to, um, I got really, there's this posh music shop in Manchester, I think it's called Forsyths, and uh, they've got beautiful pianos in there and I got really annoyed at them, like, keeping all the pianos to themselves so I ran in started playing them and stuff and uh, got in trouble and then um, I went into the Royal Exchange Theatre and threw the covers off the piano in there and started playing it and I just started playing these pianos that had come across which uh, worked out well in London because I came across this sort of artful Dodger character I think he was a homeless guy who was a uh, like living in Euston Station in the middle of the night and uh, we were just, uh, he came over to me and he heard me playing the piano one night that I couldn't sleep and um, or have anywhere to sleep and then uh, he came over and this really ingratiated him to me, uh, the piano playing and stuff. So that was one of the touching moments of my trip um, but I uh, don't know what happened to him, that guy. I can't. I'm quite amazed how invisible you've managed to be throughout the series. <laughs> well, it's strange because um, I thought that I wanted. I didn't do a lot of preparation or anything for this. I thought that I wanted to come in and I wanted to be more honest than I've even been with psychiatrists or something or give a real account of what it is or what you sort of feel like. And it is a very visual, visceral experience to go through the psychotic stuff. So uh, it's trying to paint a picture in the best way I can. But, it seems like so many people around. Yeah. You just yeah. completely missed. Yeah, it, it's strange whether it was me keeping a lid on it. Because I'd be a kind of... Maybe I've sunk back into myself a bit now since the psychosis and stuff, but I'd be generally sort of uh, almost tripping anyway in in re real life. I think like, everyone thinks they're on the spectrum, but I must be to some extent. Uh, I'd definitely be there. Like A lot of people did miss it, and my parents were aware of it, but they wanted to deal with it in their own way or keep a closer eye on me they were very concerned about me being hospitalized as well i think and it wasn't necessarily a danger to anyone it was a danger to myself probably like rummaging through fields and stuff like that 
you know, I'd be back in Fermanagh, I would like think we'd be walking through a field and I'd come across a field with a ram in it and I'd think, yeah, I can take this ram. Yeah. And like I had, did you try? Yeah, I tried. Shit. And then the ram stirred me out and uh, started charging for me. And, and you uh, your mind. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> got out of that. And even, I forgot to bring up this point uh, whenever I was back in Fermanagh. The, um, I thought that I was up taking photos in this farmer's yard. This was on one of my many walks. And, um, he uh, is one of the farm stable hands or whatever was in the field and I was taking a picture of him and his quad as he passed and he uh, he came up and was chatting to him and he was like, I'll have to take that phone and I thought, oh, this is another sort of step along this uh, sort of Don Quixote adventure. I'll have to <laughs> follow this. Uh, so I gave him the phone and then I came up a couple of days later to collect the phone off the farmer and um he was like why are you doing this and uh i was like sort of really um think saying like i wanted to take pictures of fermanagh and i wanted to spread the pace of northern ireland or something across the world and then uh the guys sort of knew that I was sick or something was up then and um, they eventually gave me my, my phone but I thought it was a really significant moment and uh, that it was like they were, I'm a Catholic, they're a Protestant family and I thought there was some sort of passing of the flame or whatever, or a truce thing going on, you know, starting your local area. And, um, but they said something really weird to me Um the farmer said, because all his men were around, and he goes, there's a black and white car following you. And I, I goes, who's that? And I goes, oh, it must be my parents. And he said, no, it's not your parents. Who is it then? And uh, I said, it must be my heroes. And he goes, who's your heroes? And then I said, my deceased grandfather's names. And he goes, that's good enough for me because he knew them. Uh, really? but, but I don't know what he was trying to do, whether he was trying to trip me out or something by saying that the, these cars were following me. But he did was, actually know them? Uh, he did know my grandfathers, yeah. Uh, but um, how he, why he brought that up about the cars, I don't know. And it's still one of these things that leaves me questioning. It's like one unresolved part of the whole puzzle that I can't work you, my head around. You've been tempted to go and seek him out. I might do it somehow. <laughs> if I see him, I don't know what it was. I had a similar thing like that where the church I went to, there was this lady I went to talk to. And when I got out of hospital, I went to go back and say, yeah. like, don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I had a an experience like that as well. I went, there's this hotel in Manchester that's, like, really abandoned. But um, if you go around the side, which I did whenever I was tripping, um it seemed like it was a really plush hotel and there was like really not famous people but famous looking people all by the jacuzzis and all and I went in there and said oh my room must be here thinking that someone had bought a room for me thinking it was my deceased grandfather's actually that had bought the room for me and there was a tour bus outside and I thought oh this is my tour bus to go but um I've never gone back but I don't think that place was like that I think that that could have been a visual hallucination as well um, 
and it's a weird one. Maybe I'll go back this evening and see if it is really like that, <laughs> but I'd be quite scared to see if it was just an abandoned building. Yeah, I, I, would you go back to any of those places that you had those moments in? Would you want I've, to? Or? I don't know. Um, I've come back to some places and it's been just still carry a remnant of it. Like whenever I was at home, after I went home after the whole thing and I was coming down off it or like in recovery or whatever, um, I would just walk about the house and see things where I had written down stuff in the midst of psychosis or uh, seeing pictures that had sort of presented them a certain way to me. You know, it was very hard to get out. It was sort of like being confronted with your experience throughout all that. What was that like coming out of it then? It was a gradual process where I'd just slowly come round and then it was... um, I'd still be quite uh, trippy and stuff for a while and um, really put me into a deep, deep spiral of depression, for um, which I think I'm still emerging from. But uh, thankfully, I'm well on the road to recovery. But uh, it it was long, long painful. Um, Couldn't focus, couldn't read couldn't string thoughts together, thought I had lost all my cognitive abilities, couldn't uh, concentrate on a program. Um, thankfully, the Enniskillen Arts Festival or Theatre Festival was on, so there was a week where there was performances every night, so I'd go to the theatre and that would um, be the only thing I could concentrate on. Or like, But it was all concentrating on the mechanics of the stage and how it was set up and stuff and... You know, it was a drama festival, so there was um, there was adjudicators and all given uh, criticism on it afterwards and stuff. So it was really interesting. But um, again, I was just walking around the theatre as if I owned the place and stuff like this, and just getting up in the middle of the performance and walking around and seeing it from different perspectives and stuff. But uh, thankfully, that was there because that was the only thing that in that first week or two weeks that sort of got me out of myself and tried going to the cinema and stuff tried swimming but couldn't couldn't get enjoyment from anything and still still thinking that there was unfinished business or whatever there was still I was still ostensibly a little bit psychotic but by this stage I had been put on the medication because uh, taking the medication, I really didn't want to take it at the start. But uh, why not? Um, just a fear of drugs. Yeah. Uh, fear that there's anything wrong with me. Fear that an acknowledgement that there is, and then just a skepticism of how these things work. Anyway, um, I don't know where I stand on medication at the minute. I'm taking medication. <laughs> like but, how everyone has to yeah. have a stand up. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, it definitely worked, like the lorazepam that they give me or whatever that oh, initial yeah, that one was. Oh, yeah, stuff definitely works. Yeah. Anything with a pam in it tends yeah. to work pretty well. But um, it's interesting to think whether it could contribute to the depression or whatever, uh, because I wasn't on antidepressants until um, I sort of sought them out of my own volition. Um, That's good that you had that. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, Interestingly, the one of the 
uh, doctors that was seeing me, you know, for these regular catch-ups or whatever. Um, she was saying that you shouldn't be on antidepressants because um, they could, if you're bipolar, because they can really uh, lead you up the wrong way. Like they can bring about a psychotic episode again, yeah. she said. No one knows what's going on with half of those pills. No, really. no. God knows. What is it like? Um, has this whole thing made you look at yourself differently in any way? Like, is it? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely more cautious of my own flights of fancy and stuff like that. And um, I rein myself in a bit. Um, it seems like the depression has had a bigger impact than the psychosis itself um, on my general character. But. Uh, Psychosis stuff, I suppose, my takeaways from it are that um, this was a mad experience, uh, something I have to incorporate into the rest of my life. Um, I'll, I'll always remember it, you know, can't escape from it. Do I act differently now, though, after all? I am not sure. I went stoned to the doctors one day, and she was like... Um, or the therapist, and she was saying that uh, it's if she's seen me like that working with children, should be concerned and stuff like that. So th there is always that in the back of your mind that, like, because I've been um, I've been You're labelled as life. such, I am marked. And yeah, yeah. It, if there was a disciplinary thing at school or something that I'm working in, like they could. Uh, they could find that information out. Someone has to have it logged. Someone has to be able to tell them. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people just mistake the word psychotic for violent, don't they? Or yeah, they yeah. Interchangeably, or like they think it's some. These people must be dangerous. Yeah. In terms of their ideas and physically as well, I think. Do you? Where do you stand? <laughs> where do you stand on? Like, do you think? Do you think psychosis is like a, a like a, a a debilitating illness, or like do you think it is is meaningful, or what do you think? Do you think it's just like a an a accident of atoms, or do you think it's got something more to it? I would think because of the history of religion and the history of things like that that it would suggest that culturally it plays a big part and um, it seems to be in every civilization n notated. Like, um, you know, if going back to ancient Greece and Rome and all, and even Babylonian civilizations, they all talk about this madness and stuff yeah. and, you know, early Celtic stuff. So it's obviously been there throughout whether it serves a biological purpose, so to speak, is uh, questionable. Or but it's it's generated so much creativity and alternative ways of viewing the world. You know, yeah. No one wants to accept a lot of those. I don't think. Yeah, well, like, yeah. Like I think, I think it's like personally, I think I've got superpowers that I have to control. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> thought I had superpowers at the time. Um, uh, there's a horrible jarring scene in 
one of these Oliver Stone films. I think it's Talk Radio or Dead Air or something like that. It's about a shock jock and uh, um, like late night radio phone in thing. And it's a pretty good film. Yeah, but Talk Radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he goes, one of the callers goes to him at a point. Um, the problem with people like us is we fail too much. And yeah, it's yeah. sometimes I think that bipolar or, uh, psychosis or whatever are like that that there are certain people that are too sensitive or not too sensitive but just yeah. sensitive in a different way yeah yeah so there's that's why like i i've had i've been diagnosed as bipolar before as uh, amongst other things yeah and I, I just it just i don't find it like a helpful concept for my life i'd rather it's a bit more simple to just be like i feel too much or yeah. i'm really sensitive to some things or like i i, I care where other people wouldn't and like apathy like i'd love a little bit more apathy and i have to work to be a bit more apathetic yeah yeah but then yeah it's like it's a very political question as well i think um <laughs> it's a can of worms <laughs> it is but uh it's i uh, funnily enough it's strange how few people go through it end up uh, like um, helping others through it. You know, like a lot of what Help I see is, people. yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. seems to be that people just want to close a lid on it and forget about it. Or um, Yeah, I'm probably a bad judge of that because I've, I've met quite a lot of people through them wanting to help people. Yeah, yeah, that's way. true too. But um, there seems to be very little... Uh, maybe you know of like books and stuff and testimonies or biographies of people who've experienced it but I certainly struggled to find it. and it was this podcast was really the only forum that's good to find know. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right yeah this is the only thing out there yeah <laughs> <laughs> I said that sarcastically but yeah I'm serious there's no other option what do you think about like the way that people that don't actually understand this stuff talk about this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's not an awareness of it. There's like great strides have been moved forward in mental health, um, like public consumption of it or discussion of it in uh, recent years. But um, there doesn't seem to be that thing with psychosis. Like, um, I think everyone thinks it's schizophrenic or split personality or something. That it's like a literal split personality. Yeah, because a lot of the mainstream mental health conversation is just really boring. Yeah, yeah, it is sanitized and and it's all linked into this sort of um, productive force. You know, it's all yeah, about yeah. get back to work. Yeah, 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 it's about oh, what can we do to facilitate your safe, speedy return to yeah. being a productive citizen and that, like even just a term mental health i find really disturbing to begin with cause yeah, yeah. A, a health to begin with is just a strange construct because no one is ever healthy are they there's no no one's healthy well all pathologies are um are determined by abnormality like it's always you define the normal in relation to the abnormal yeah, yeah, that's so a, it's not heard that no um that's why yeah there's like the subject abnormal psychology where they learn about people like us. Yeah, yeah. But you, I think it's like a really natural thing to go through, and I wouldn't be surprised if 
somebody is trying to work out what the evolutionary function yeah, yeah. of this is. Has to be something in the generation of ideas. It's like the stone ape theory that yeah, yeah. they've <laughs> that is mind altering. So I've heard people describe it as like it's it's, it's a manifestation of society's ills in a way yeah yeah I, mean? I definitely thought that at the time as well um that that i was mapping out society's ills and i was um or that i was too sensitive at the time to uh society basically and uh it's an off-coded thing like who's the real sick person and all um whoever's got the power gets to choose that normally <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know I wouldn't change the whole experience I don't think I'm uh, I'd change the depression after it yeah. because it was something that I haven't experienced before at that level it was deeply deeply sick and I don't know if it was just a reaction to coming down but it lasted about nine months or something Um. Or if it was situational, that like I'd fucked up my life, sort of, so to speak, yeah, because yeah. I went home and lived in Ireland for a year and stuff, and it was difficult. But um, it gave me a it was definitely a an Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole worth going down, you know, for what it teaches you about yourself for your own resilience. Yeah. Um, because I have this feeling that people that go through psychosis, they're often seen or presented as weak and stripped of agency, but it does take a lot of rigor and self-resolve and stuff to actually go through something like that and to come out the other side and be able to, you know, reshape, <laughs> retune your brain into what signals are worthy of receiving and stuff. Yeah. Would you, like, do you ever wonder if it would have been worse... If it didn't have happened, kind of thing, like it was something that just needed to come out. Well, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and I wonder, would I be doing a lot more drugs and stuff now, or listen, or not listen, um, living a uh, more debauched lifestyle? I think I've certainly tempered stuff like that recently. It's made you more kind of conservative. It has, in a way, <laughs> and it's, it's just horrible. It's quite recent for you, though. I think, like, it takes a long time to put the the pieces of your puzzle and what it meant together. Like it's a it's a long process. I think it's not just something you wake up the next day and just carry on with. You, no, yeah. You, you've, there's so much to like work out and wonder about and try and decipher the meaning from that. I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to be like, yeah, got got to get back at it now. <laughs> like when time is really. It's quite a boring answer, isn't it? But like, time is a huge healer. Yeah, yeah. Like if there's one thing that's helped me most, it's time. Yeah, yeah. It passes, and um, routine bites hard, as Ian Curtis said. You know, uh, you you find yourself getting back to normal pretty quickly in the grand scheme of things. Like, like I remember the first job I got after it. Uh, just it was incredibly tedious and boring. I was working for a law firm in a post room, just. Uh, delivering letters and stuff to different businesses and um it was empty and then it was like coming from this flight of fancy before yeah, where yeah. i had it's a long way down yeah 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 where I had these grand ideals and ideas and plans and stuff 
to be sort of hitting rock bottom then in a shitty job with no excitement in my life. But uh, that was all a process I had to go through to regain normality. And now I'm back in Manchester, um, the scene of the crime. And, uh, you know, I've sort of re-established my life again, which has sort of taken about a year, but... um, it uh, it was a long process, but that's pretty short quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the future holds in terms of um, being scared of uh, getting it again or anything. It's not really an idea I entertain. And apart from uh, reducing the amount of drugs I take, I haven't really. I suppose I have taken certain steps. I've. Uh, like I live more comfortably and stuff like that. I, I try to, I've sought paid extra to have a comfortable house and stuff. And um, I go to bed earlier and things. So I probably have subconsciously sort of taken steps to mitigate against it. Where should we leave it? Have you got, have you got like uh, any wise words? You seem, you're, you're a pretty thoughtful guy. <laughs> Pretty thoughtful guy, thanks. Um, wise words to anyone that is listening to this that has been through it or are currently going through the um, come down. I would say that's that's my biggest concern because um, they're very vulnerable people in that situation. I'd just say to take it easy, be very, very kind to yourself. That's a cliche and I hated it hearing it at the time, but um, it's it's like grief, so it is. It seems unsurpassable at the first instance and even like you can be three months down the line and it still feels overwhelming, but it does ease with time. It is a grief. Just hang in there. It is a grief, yeah. Yeah, Something's died in your dreams. Yeah, I definitely felt part of my soul had died or... uh, um, part of the what makes me me had gone and it took a long time to recover that but um, yeah I would say to people who are wary of medicine as well um, statistically this stuff does work um, <laughs> you know if you need it you, you can if you're in that acute point of crisis you probably need it Um it's just an easier way of dealing with it. And I, I didn't want to, I really didn't think I was going to come on this and advocate <laughs> psychotropic <laughs> drugs. You. But, uh, <laughs> no. but Jesus, uh, I know that if I hadn't have taken it at that time, um, I'd, it, it could have spiraled beyond control. Yeah. I think, yeah, if you've got the choice, it's good to begin with, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people don't get the choice. Well, I was very fortunate because my mother is a psychiatric nurse as well. well. Yeah. She should have known. She should have known. Yeah, <laughs> I think she did know, but uh, she was concerned more than everyone else. But because um, she knows what happens. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, that helped me because um, I think that the Fermanagh Health Board or whatever they are, I think they were more. Um, liable to let me stay at home because they knew my mother was there because she's uh, in with them and all all the time that's good 
So I was fortunate. Um, but I do feel like I kind of missed out of it. I was watching uh, one play over the cuckoo's nest the other day, and I'm sure that glamorizes it, but I do feel like my psychosis story has a fundamental part ripped out of it. Yeah, that's good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't want to go out to that. No, no. There is a dearthity of uh, stuff out there, you know, uh, to support you. Because you're sort of left on your own in that wilderness period of recovery. Yeah, um, you're, you're kind of left on your own or left with over-simplistic what people thought was really simple. Like, oh, just shut up and take your medication. You went through this thing, blah, blah, blah. You recover, blah, blah, blah. There's more to it for me. Yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? I wanted to like think about it loads. I still do, I think. That's why I do this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down a lot afterwards as well, um, just different uh, things, and I've still got those notebooks, just designs for life and stuff. Um, and like, it's all cryptic and esoteric as well, but uh, it's um, it was helpful. The bibliotherapy, the idea of reading yourself back to health or writing yourself back to health, does work, I think. Have you gone back and listened to your... No, recording? I've lost it. So I have to find it, all right. <laughs> um, it would just be ramblings. One of the things as well that I... Uh, just to cap this off, how mad I was. Um, I was in Manchester and I climbed down some tracks and uh, I had found this sort of device that I thought was a recording device and I thought I was broadcasting live to somewhere and I was just uh, shouting into it and screaming and thinking that the government were out to get me and all this, oh, yeah. this just I've heard stereotypical. I've before, like exact story. <laughs> really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was just uh, rummaging through this forest and stuff and s- screaming into it um what uh, was going through my head and I wish I had a recording of that because it would have just been sheer lunacy, speaking in tongues almost Do you think there's any like hidden truths in in them or that you could only understand them when you're in that state or I don't know, um, there must be It's a good answer I don't know. I think more people should say that. Just in, in, in I would. Life. I was definitely attuned to that spiritual side of stuff whenever I was going through it and thinking that there was a deeper significance to the stuff I was doing. But um, it's sort of been drummed out of me again now. I think I'm back in atheist territory, but uh, I was definitely, definitely entertaining thoughts of. Um, uh, there being a higher order or something there whenever I was going through it. Yeah, I think a lot. That's, that's pretty common. All right. Have you got anything to, like, promote or anything like that? Nothing to promote except what? peace and love to everyone. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, um, no, nothing to promote. All right. Me neither. <laughs> a promotion right. free. No we'll adverts. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to uh, talk and get these things off my chest. Like I said, I've been more honest in this than I've probably been with psychiatrists. A lot of them are pretty boring. Yep. (laughs) I do know some cool ones, but a lot of them haven't got much to say or hear. No, it's uh, what would take you into that world 
done. It maybe it's just a curing thing or a desire to cure, but that fascination with madness always throws me off a bit. Yeah. Like people, they're almost voyeuristic. Coffee.